drive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. Welcome everybody to another episode of Golf Picks with the Plotniks presented by Bet the Farm Podcast. I am Dino the Pig, joined by my brother the farmer. Farmer, what's good? Final major of the year. You ready to fucking feed a winner or what? Yo, what's good? Yeah, ready to feed a fucking winner. Sorry, I don't know why you're talking that voice, so I just wanted to mock you. Um, I try to switch things up every so often when we're on a a cold streak, so just seeing what I could do with the intro to make things a little bit better. Last time I did this, we hit a winner. That was forced upon you by me, so you're welcome for that one. And, uh, yeah, everything's good. Last major of the year, sad. Feels like yesterday was the Masters, but that's what happens at this point of the golf season. They come, they go, but – Luckily, we have tournaments every week, but let's just end the majors with a damn win. I don't think I've hit a major in four years, so probably fade everything I say today. Or maybe I'm due. I've been really good at the big tournaments, and you've been good at the small tournaments. It's been a nice little mix and match. So, all right, before we get into the Open, as most people like to call it, the British Open, let's talk about last week's Scottish Open recap. Xander comes out, dominates, wins his third tournament in a row. Not all PGA-sanctioned events, but there are three tournaments in a row. Travelers wins the J.P. McManus overseas and then wins the Scottish Open. I had Jordan Spieth live going on Sunday, and just the biggest back nine collapse, and you had what, Max Homa? Yep. So just two absolute collapses there, and hey, not much else to talk about when you got no ponies in the race, but impressive what Xander's doing. I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit more throughout the show. That being said, let's jump right into it onto the next week, baby. We got the 2022 British Open at St. Andrews, the old course, the home of golf, Tiger's favorite golf course ever. Wow, this is going to be a fun week. All right, weighs in at about 7,300 yards. A par 72, greens are half fescue, half Ben and POA. Field, 156 players, top 65 in ties. That's 36 holes. Make the cut. Let's talk about who's hoisted the Claret Jug over the last few years. Last year, Colin Morikawa comes out wins at minus 15. They did not play in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic. And in 2019, Shane Lowry comes out, wins his first major. 2018, Francesco Molinari wins his maiden major. 2017, Jordan Spieth at minus 12. King Henrik Stenson goes toe-to-toe with Phil Mickelson in 2016. That was the tournament, I think, that potentially got me. Not That one didn't – 2016 was like the peak of uh, me getting into golf, like really into golf betting. Because we were watching Phil Mickelson Stenson showdown. 2015 is kind of when I really was locked in when Jordan Spieth just came on the prowl. And then 2015, speaking of the year, the last time we played at St. Andrews, your reigning St. Andrews Open champion, Zach Johnson, wins in his second major at minus 15. So let's talk about the previous winners at St. Andrews 2015. It's the last time we've played here the mecca of golf courses around the world. Zach Johnson in 2015 wins at 15 under in 2010. We played at St. Andrews at the open and Louis Oosthuizen wins at minus 16 in 2005. Tiger Woods wins and 2000 Tiger Woods wins yet again. So as you can see, minus 15, minus 16, minus 14, minus 19. Jared, are we about to see these guys break this course? I don't know. Are we? We'll see. Game's a little different, but I doubt it. I'm sure it'll be some more of the same. I'm sure there'll be wins, and I'm sure those fairways will be baked where a lot of players will think they hit perfect shots and they end up in some trouble. So, All right. Well, hey, you're talking already. Why don't you tell me a little bit what you think about the course and how you're going to attack this card as usual? Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of what I just alluded to, you could see a little bit of uh, – Bomb and gouge approach from some guys. I mean, you have 14 par fours. You're not going to see many courses like that uh, on the PGA Tour. And two par threes, two par fives. So you're going to have, I mean, with how fast these fairways look and how they're playing, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to drive greens. So I think distance, obviously, big uh, help here. And around the green game and putting this week is really what I'm looking for. Kind of the one week where I'm going to discount Irons 
the most. And how, it's kind of weird to say in a major, of course, just wedges and around the green putting and, and some driving distance is kind of what I'm looking at this week. I mean, you know, courses like St. Andrews, these pot bunkers are literally where your hazards are. These they are going to have to hit sideways. You're going to see some really weird shots this week for how they set up the bunkers. Kind of how golf was set up to be in the first place where you hit in the bunker and you get penalized for it. Not like how it is on the PGA tour now where it doesn't really matter. So I'm, I will say though, I know you said you're discounting irons and then you kind of talked about approach, but I talked about know, wedges, irons and wedges are different clubs, Brandon. No. Okay. I thought you were saying you were discounting approach play. Cause I just think that, I mean, I still think approach play is going to be a huge factor. Irons and wedges are different short wedges. Yes. I'm still looking at irons. Not so much. You're not going to be seeing any six and seven irons this week. You're just not, it's just how this course is designed. So uh, as I'll get okay. into later, people like Will Zalatoris, I'll be fading this week because you like him at all the other majors where he balls. Why? Cause they're tough courses that are demanding where you're going to have a ton of 200 yard shots. You're going to be seeing the opposite this week. Okay. I, I think that what's interesting about St. Andrews and, you know, you hear guys like Rory and Tiger and JT come out and they're just talking about, and, and of course, Jordan Spieth comes to mind, you know, how much creativity and courage and how methodical you have to be out there to play this course. Yes, it can play easy because there are four to six drivable fours and there's two par fives and only two par threes, but and there's really wide fairways. And I'm going to get all into this in my breakdown soon. And I hope I'm not taking away from everything I was about to say. But I think the point of it is just how you plan to play this course is going to be really interesting. You really have to be creative, especially, you know, it, it, you're really not going to be in thick rough here. The, the rough is very minuscule. So how you decide what you're going to hit off the tee and then how you decide how you're going to approach the ball into the green. And then when you're around the greens, are you going to chip? Are you going to put it from off the green? These are all things that are going to, you're going to have to factor in. You know, do you want to go long off the tee? And then if, if you don't hit the green, try to get up and down, or do you want to lay back a little bit and try to get a full swing out of a club? These are things that these guys are all going to have to think about, and it's going to be really interesting. So, yeah, I'll dive into my little course preview here. It's a really flat course. That's what's interesting about St. Andrews. And once you get overseas, it's super firm. You talked about it being baked out. I'm sure you're going to hear that, that phrase many a time on the broadcast this week. The greens are massive. I think that's something really important. There's a lot of two whole greens, so combined greens, meaning there's one huge green and there's two holes that play on the same green, but just in different pin positions. I think that's interesting because how big the greens are, we've talked in the last few weeks leading up to this about some of these small greens and how proximity and around the green play factors in. But I think instead what you have to think about is trying to get proximity closer because if you hit it a little bit farther from the hole, then you bring in three putts and things of that nature into the play. I, I think the thing that you talked about is the defense of the course and you talked about bunkers and wind. And of course there's 110 bunkers and there's little to no rough here. So if you, you could go completely wayward, that's the interesting thing. But at the same time, I think that you talked about it as well. And I'm going to repeat a few of the things you said, I, you know, just going through the notes here, but fairways are massive and the rollout on the fairways can be 60 to 80 yards on a certain hole. So this can lead to a lot of luck depending what kind of bounce you get. And that could propel you into a fescue, a bunker, or it could propel you right into position off. So who knows? On top of that, there's really not many hazards on the course itself, but there are at least six holes where hitting it out of bounds is possible. I mean, think about the 17th hole. You're literally hitting in a, a driver over the old course hotel. So it's definitely one of the more prestigious out of bounds holes that people think about, but there's literally a hotel you have to hit it over. So guys always joke they're going to hit someone's window. And you, and yeah, I think that you mentioned the bomb and gouge concept. I mean, we've seen a mix of guys over the years here who can bomb the ball and have success, but also we've seen shorter hitters as well that have had success. I mean, think back to 2015, Zach Johnson, one of the shortest hitters on tour. I just lean that seven years later with technology, the longer hitters are going to have a much bigger advantage here. I'm with you on that, especially with all the drivable fours. So I think that at the same time, I, I could see guys clubbing down a lot. I think it's much easier to have full swings into these greens than and get some spin, especially with how baked out the, these fairways are, than to try to have some shorter pitch shots. You know, and like you talked about the short wedges, this is going to be a really hard thing to handicap, but something you have to look deep into. 
there's going to be a ton of approach shots from 50 to 125 yards just because of the runouts of the fairways and how short the holes are. And then you also add in the par fives. If you don't get there in two, you're going to be kind of doing the same thing. So for almost half the course, you're going to be playing a small wedge. It's just really interesting. I, the other, I talked about potential three putts, but lag putting is going to be massive this week. Getting the ball close on approach is going to be really hard, not only due to the firmness of the ground, but also because the greens are so big. Guys tend to putt a lot around the greens and avoid chipping around the firm grass around the greens as much as possible. So I, I definitely look for a lot of text wedge opportunities. And what's interesting about the two par threes that they play, they're both 175 to 200 yards, but they both play in opposite wind directions. So that makes them a little bit tricky to think about. And I'm sure they'll play opposite wind directions on different days. So they're going to play at different distances each day. I think that might confuse guys a lot. And then when we talk about the two par fives, they're both over 550 yards. So that makes them what you would call fairly long, but with the run out on the fairways, they're both probably really reachable. The fifth hole typically plays a lot easier of the two 570 yards or so with a 48% birdie rate over the years. Whereas the 14th hole par five typically plays into the wind and can play as long as 600, 620 yards and only sports a 30% birdie rate. Looking at a 10.5% stim this week on the green. So going to run a lot slower than usual, kind of similar to last week, standard link style greens. So guys that put well on slower greens might be interesting. I don't know how you quantify it necessarily, but some guys really like that. Some guys don't. So key metrics I want to monitor this week, three putt avoidance, scrambling, bogey avoidance, approach play, driving distance, opportunities gained because I think it will turn into a scoring fest. And then guys that are really good on short bar four. So there's six that are 350 to 400 yards. So I'm definitely going to factor that into my model this week. All right. That being said, before we get into the odds, any final thoughts on how you are trying to attack your card in terms of, Oh, I want to go heavy at the top because I think that, studs typically win here and long shots don't or i want to make an even card where guys all up in the middle what are you thinking yeah there's this week i don't really have a thought process when it comes to that i just it's kind of like guys i like at numbers i like is kind of the approach i am taking this week uh simply because you've seen a whole variety of variants uh here when it comes to that there's no method to the madness per se and it's just kind of whatever guys i like at good numbers that are fitting uh, what I'm looking at for this course are uh, the guys I'm going to ride with this week. Yeah. I'm kind of looking at numbers. I think that from honestly, the 10 to 30 range and even maybe above that, there's so many good players that can win this on any given week that I just, I'm trying to find value. That's really all I'm trying to do because I think that they all can win this week. Now, where can I find the value? I'm sitting there monitoring all the books and trying to find the best numbers. All right. Well, we'll get into the odds board and start talking about bets. Before I do, I want to talk about the wind. I know that we talked about that, that being one of the biggest defenses of this course. However, the crazy part about it is the wind changes every 10 minutes. So it's really hard to monitor. So you got to keep your eye on it from now until basically lock until the first tee shots, which is why, which uh, I mean, uh, we'll talk about it later, but first round leaders, I'm not putting anything in yet. I don't know how this course is going to play quite yet because the wind looks crazy as of right now, the worst wave looks like early Thursday morning, local time, 17 mile per hour gusts winds versus the afternoon looks like it's like at nine to 10 to 12. And then, it looks like the AM wave is getting wrecked Thursday, but the Friday wave also getting wrecked on Thursday. So there's no AM PM wave advantage going to be really tricky this week. I just advise everybody. I mean, in terms of finalizing your card, if you can find value, find value. But if not, if you just feel like you want to really get the optimal pick in there, then I'd certainly wait to see what type of wave that they might get into all the way up until Wednesday night, um, us time. I know we got fans overseas as well. All right, let's jump right into the board. We've got our outright favorite, Rory McIlroy. And if anybody listens to the show, they know that my brother proclaimed on this show that no matter what, 
he was going to be taking Rory McIlroy at the Open. So before we even dive anywhere else, he's ten to one on on my my book. So before I, we even get I'm above ten to one, everywhere I said four weeks ago, no matter what, I am taking Rory McIlroy. And guess what? I'm a man of my word, Brandon. Wow. And my word says. I never pay for 10 to 1 in a major. McElroy oh, for me this week. I am oh not a man of my word. I could not get to him at 10 to 1 this week at this course. I sent oh. you an odds boost at 12 to 1. Does it, oh yeah, that odds boost is a $50 max bet, Brandon. Sorry, I, I don't just sprinkle with the minions out there. All right. That's that that odds boost does nothing for me when it comes down to the size of bet I would be placing on Rory McElroy. To, to, to win 800? Not terrible. What? That is just atrocious math. It'd be 50 to win like 600. Um, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. But we, hey, we all know here you're not known for your math. I, I, I was an English well, major, not a mathematician. Yeah, so with that said, though, Rory just – look, I could say everything I want about him, but I'm going to get into the two guys I decided to go with as well. I think have just almost as equally uh, – equaled the amount of win equity as Rory McIlroy, what we always talk about with these uh, in these big tournaments where you have so many good players at the top – I just can't get myself to take Rory McIlroy at 10 to one when I can get these other two guys at over 20 to one. I'm investing less in these other two guys. And I think they have just equally as good of a chance as Rory. Now, do they have, I don't think, I think Rory's floor is so much higher than both of their floors. Not so much, but a lot higher than both of their floors. Look, you can't make an argument why Rory is 10 to one. I mean, he deserves to be the odds on favorite, but I just, look, I, I love him. If he wins, I'll tip my cap to him. I'll have him. Um, as I'll, we'll get into a little later, I have a, a couple other avenues where I'm going to get some exposure to Rory this week, but I just am not going to be doing it in the outright market at 10 to one. All right. I love Rory too. He is my favorite play. Just like he probably is everybody else out there. He is the odds on favorite by a pretty good margin for a reason. He's an open champion already. You got to think that he's, you know, he's a front runner for this tournament, but after we get to Rory, Honestly, in my book, all books are going to be different. It jumps all the way to 18 to 1. And you got Xander Shoffley coming off of three straight wins. Jordan Spieth coming off of the top 10 at the Scottish. Absolutely dominates Link style golf. Dominates the Open. This guy has never had a T worse than a T30 at the Open in seven tries here. I mean, he's a freak of nature. Why are you already jumping into your handicap for your outright pick when you're just going through some names, Brandon? I can already hear it in your voice. You're already uh, starting to get into your facts. No, no, no. I'll, I'll get into my facts when I need to get there. So, uh, I'll, but I'll uh-huh. let you, but I got to let you go first. Those are the three guys right now in the 10, 10 to 20 range. Uh, well, yeah, that's the 10 to, to 20 range. So you're out on Rory, Shoffley, Spieth. What do you, I mean, you're not taking Shoffley. You're not taking Spieth. Look, I just can't take, I mean, honestly, Xander at 18 to one is a pretty fair number. I can't believe he's not even lower than that. The guy three wins in a row, all the things he does well fits up perfectly for this course, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just not getting there. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm, taking, I actually, on my book, I'm seeing some of the 18 to one that I got at 22 to one. Luckily I put it in earlier today. Lines already moved. So I may as well just start off cause I'm already on it. I'm going with Justin Thomas, 22 to one. So what I talk about, I have a rule when JT's 20 to one or above, we take him. When did I digress from that rule? The U S open. Cause I overanalyzed it and he was in the wrong wave. And what does he do? He, or sorry, it was the PGA, the PGA. He was in the wind wave. So I backed off last second when I saw a 20 to one on him, even though I had a firm rule, didn't listen to my rule and I paid the price. Guess what? Not making the same mistake. Now JT, in my opinion, has the same win equity as Rory McIlroy. And I got a 22 to one on him when Rory McIlroy is 10 to one. I just, that's how I had to go against my word from a few weeks ago. It just is what it is. That's my style of betting when it comes to golf outrights in the long run, it's going to pay dividends. Sometimes it'll backfire. It's not going to backfire this week. JT has all the things I'm looking for here. What's the one thing I didn't really touch on earlier, but you mentioned at this course, wide fairways. That's one thing I kind of worry about with JT. He gets a little erratic with the driver, but he's got the distance and he's got all the short game. He's got all the uh, wedge play, one of the best wedge players in the world. Now, can we just get a hot putter out of JT is what we got to be concerned about. That's always the issue with JT. But if he gets that putter going, the lagging is not an issue with JT. It's always those mediocre short-term putts. So I like his lag play. He just checks all the boxes for me, and I don't, I don't see why he should have been over 20-1. to 1. Yeah, JT, I mean, it's hard not to like him, especially you see him playing all these practice rounds with Tiger Woods at – 
the old course he's picking his brain. He's going to figure out how to play this course. He's pretty long and accurate off the tee. So these drivable fours are certainly going to help him. He ranks uh, third in scoring average on the PGA tour season. He ranks sixth in sand saves and sixth on approach. I mean, those are the three things that you got to love this week, especially, you know, gets turns into a birdie fest. He's got the approach play. He's around the greens and getting into one of those bunkers. Got to appreciate the bunker play. And yeah, I'm what's hard not to like, I decided to go another route here and I did not jump on Justin Thomas and I did not jump on Jordan Spieth. I had a strict rule for myself this week. There's two guys in this range that I liked. And instead of taking one of those, I decided to go with those two. So what I'm looking to do, because I have a short card is I'm game planning, having a small card and just literally, I might just sit there all day. Well, (laughs) all morning, I suppose I might have to pull an all nighter on Thursday morning or Friday morning, whatever, even Saturday, I don't care. And I'm just going to try to find a live line on Rory or Jay or Jordan that makes, I think just has a little bit more value than what I'm seeing to go along with some of my other value plays that I'm finding here. So in this 22 30 range, you already mentioned Justin Thomas. You've got guys like John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, Cameron Smith. In this range, I decided to go with a guy that I have always told you, we've always said to each other, and I'm surprised that you didn't remember this and that you decided to abandon the Plotnik rule that if he is 20 to one or above, you take him every single time. And I'm taking John Rom at 20 to one odds. That's my first play. I know you're shocked. I can hear it in your voice. You sound scared. So I'm taking John Rom at 20 to one odds. I just, when, if you find this guy 20 to one or above, you take him. I mean, any other tournament, if I just go back a few weeks ago at the U S open guys, 12 to one odds, 14 to one odds. And you're, and I'm going to get him at 20 to one. I think that that's phenomenal value. And top of that last year at the open finishes third, so he's got great form here. And then the year before that, that they played the Open, was he finished 11th in 2019 as well. So the guy knows how to play link style golf. I will say maybe he, you could argue that he's not in the best form ever of his life, but I think that when you go overseas, you know, you can almost throw some of that out because it's a total different type of golf that you're playing out there. I think that th- there's a lot of parts of his game that I really love this week, specifically off the tee. He ranks first in strokes gain off the tee on the tour this year before the Memorial a few weeks ago where he lost like 0.4 strokes off the tee. He hadn't lost strokes off the tee since August of 2019. The guy's just an absolute freak. He, and you talked about driving distance with all these drivable fours. He ranks third on tour this year in driving distance and he ranks third in strokes gain tee to green as well. I love John Rom this week. I think he struggled at this number for sure. I mean, I would love him anyways, but it's hard not to like him, right? He's one of the best players ever, or at least, sorry, not ever. One of the best players on tour right now. He struggled with the short game for a while throughout the year, but I think he's figured something out over the last few weeks. I was happy, really happy to see him gain strokes around the green at the Scottish this last week. And he's averaged over two strokes gained putting over the last five tournaments. So that short game is finally coming into form. The guy's a lead at bogey avoidance and three putt avoidance, top 20 player on tour in both of those metrics. I just think if he can avoid those and turn into, if this turns into a birdie fest, how do you not love John Rahm? He's 12th in scoring average on the tour this year. Get that putter going and, and make sure you, if he could just avoid those bunkers off the tee, I mean, he's going to be hard not to see at the top of the leaderboard come Sunday. So I'm really into John Rahm this week. Hmm. I can't blame you for the number, but we have a we'll be having a little mini take it to the barn here when it comes to my matchups because just a little worried with him when it comes to he's lost off the tee two of his last three hasn't done that in three years. Yeah, he's lost 0.5 strokes. I mean, come on, he's one of the best drivers, one of the best drivers on tour. That's not my concern. I would call those anomaly weeks more than anything. You, the guy, like I said, I just named three going back three years that he hasn't lost off the tee. And that's the I mean, point. It's not, <laughs> he's losing point. what 0.5 strokes off the tee. I don't think that that means that he just lost his driver. 
Yeah, well, especially when you're an elite driver like John Rahm, that's top three, you're gaining three, three and a half around. So it is a big anomaly for him. So he normally is always gaining because he's elite at it. He's always at the top echelon of it, gaining like three and a half to four strokes. So minus a half, it doesn't sound that bad, but in comparison to his normal baseline, it is. That's all. I mean, I just think typical recent recent metrics don't mean as much when you go overseas and you're playing link style golf at the open. I mean, ask Morikawa about that, the reigning champion who missed the cut at the Scottish last year and then goes out and wins the entire tournament. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I'm sure if you went back and looked at his metrics at playing the Scottish, he could have lost, golly, he could have lost strokes on approach, and then he goes out there and gains eight strokes on approach that, that week and wins the tournament. These guys are all too good to even try to put, like, metrics really into it, honestly. And I, I, I just do it to try to justify it, obviously. But I, at the end of the day, this is the number that I'm chasing and I just can't like, I would, I wouldn't take him at 14 or 16 to one, but at 20 to one, I mean, this is just a buy low opportunity in my opinion. All right. Moving on. All right. Moving on the 25 to 30 range. And we haven't even really talked about that, but the lesbian cam Smith, we both were on him last week. We had a top 10 finish Patrick Cantlay and Will Zalatoris in that range. Anybody that you pounced on? Yes, there is. I'm going right back to the well with the lesbian at 25 to one. Love his game here. Kind of what we talked about. What do I, where do I love Cam Smith? Uh, wide fairways where you rely on that short game and that elite uh, iron wedge play uh, and your putter. Gained seven strokes putting last week in Scotland on these same kind of greens. What is this a really good comp course to, in my opinion, that I'd even mention with JT where he won twice? Kapalua. Where did we? Uh, I hit on Cameron Smith this year? Kapalua. Huge fairways. You can score easily, slow greens, where you can make putts in bunches. That's what Cam Smith does. I love him with the short game, just being creative around the greens here. You can just drive it down there, stay just alive off the tee. And what better course to do that here? Again, gave a similar handicap last week. He finishes in 10th place. If it wasn't for an atrocious second round, he would have been in contention. I mean, when this guy, and I just love to see that he had the putter back because he had been struggling with the putter, as we talked about last week, that he had lost in three or four tournaments and he comes back last week and he gained seven. I think this is the perfect kind of course setup for Cameron Smith. And I think with the year he's had, I think he can end it on a high note with a major win. So I'm on Cam Smith again at 25 to one. Yeah, Cam had three pretty good rounds. He just had one terrible round. And yep. call, it a, call it a bad wave or whatever you want. I just, that, that was definitely the, Facts, and I'll tell you what, I'm gonna end up smashing my head in when Cam Smith hits and I don't have him the week before. I just basically handicapped the same thing that we're going into this week, but I decided that someone else caught my eye, specifically at the Scottish Open with a top five finish. And I'm gonna go to him instead at the same number. I'm going with Patrick Cantlay at 25 to one instead. I know it's crazy. Top five finish though last week. I love the way that his game's rounding into form right now. He also had a T12 in 2018 at the Open. I mean, this guy is absolutely red, flaming hot. And I just think that if, you know, especially compared to last week, I mean, the winner wins at what, eight, seven unders, eight under, I think uh, Xander won at. Like, that's not happening this week. It's a completely different tournament. So, how to factor that in as well when I'm thinking about how I want to attack this card. I do think that Kim Smith makes a lot more sense for grinded out tournaments. That's not, I don't necessarily think that's what this is going to play like. This could be a minus 20, minus 22 finish. Like guys might absolutely break this course and guys that I love that are going to score. Give me Patrick Cantlay. So three top fives in his last six tournaments. I mean, he's just in perfect shape coming into this week. The putter's red hot. The approach play is elite. The fault that he has is that he, that going into this week and why he would even be 25, you know, in comparison with how many wins he has on the PGA tours that he just hasn't played well in majors over his career. But I think the opens proved to be an event that some of the elite players break through for their first win, which you could say the same thing about Cam Smith for sure. But I mean, you look at guys like Shane Lowry, it's like their first P like their first real PGA tour win, Francesco Molinari, Henrik Stenson, Louis Oosthuizen. I mean, all those guys kind of fit the bill as like a breakthrough win in their career. I think that Patrick Cantley could be that next guy and I don't care what recent major form looks like at a PGA championship, maybe at a U.S. Open, maybe at the Open. No, I don't really care as much. I think that anybody could come in this week. That's why, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that long shots don't win this more often. 
because and and I'm and they definitely have good like top ten history and contention history. They just don't tend to win the actual tournament. It's more like guys in the twenty five to sixty range or so that win this tournament more often. And for all those reasons, uh, I'm on Patrick Cantlay this week. So yeah, a little bit yeah. of a curveball. I'm gonna beat myself up when the lesbian wins, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, although you just do get a yellow card for uh, saying mentioning Cam Smith and just an up and down where and saying that uh, I don't know with him at a twenty to twenty two under course when he won Kapalua by setting a record for shooting thirty four under. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm also thinking about he wins the players that are pretty ridiculous score as well. Yeah, oh, I'm just uh, saying you can't say that. But yeah, I like can't let. I mean, you're you're calling Kapalua the most comp course. I mean, we're overseas. I wouldn't necessarily call it. The I, I said it's a comp ever. course to me. And um, what does overseas have to do with it? I mean, courses can correlate anywhere. Really slow greens and really wide fairways. Very similar type yeah, of course. That can't fit that's not. That doesn't mean that that's a yellow card worthy. No, I'm giving you a yellow card for saying that he can't score and because i didn't good. say that he can't i just said that i prefer can't lay in those conditions okay to teach their own um but yeah I'm, again those are so far there's only two bets i have in because again we're doing this on a tuesday i want to wait for tomorrow night to see um a lot of the weather forecast for the morning because that's going to kind of uh impact really where I want to go to if something changes dramatically, but more, more so to see who uh, who I can get with some drift up here. I mean, again, I'm looking at Cantlay myself. I'm seeing a 28 out there um, on a site. If I can get a 30, I may actually hit that. And also if, if Spieth drops to the 20s for me, I'm seeing an 18. If I get a 20 on Spieth, I don't yeah. see how I don't jump on that. And he's one of the last to tee off, so I may just wait and uh, hope that there's calm conditions all Thursday and everyone throughout the day is going low. We get some drift on Spieth before he even tees off because I just love how Spieth sets up for very similar handicaps uh, that we already mentioned. Um, hey, I mentioned the same thing. I'm waiting to get Spieth and Rory at a live number. Unfortunately, Rory goes off pretty early, but you know, even come Friday, who knows? He shoots a two under and everyone else is eight under or the leaders at eight under, you could catch him at a 25 to one at that point. So who knows, but I'm with you. So let's get to the 30 to 40 range and we can just talk them through at this point. Cause I, I haven't even finalized my card either. And we'll do it like a typical show that most people probably listen to and go range by everyone, but just some, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Just whatever stands out. But yeah, I mean, Will's out Taurus, Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Tommy Fleetwood, and Terrell Hatton in the 30 to 40 range or so. I mean, the one guy that stood out to me for sure was Morikawa. I saw him at a 35 this morning. He's already a little bit down, but my God, the championship golfer of the year last year and uh, already a two-time major champion in his young career. I don't really care what he's done recently, just like I've talked about all day. I don't think recent form is the end-all be-all. I mean, I should certainly love to see guys in good form. But when you're that good, I don't necessarily care. Uh, that's a pretty ridiculous number, is it not? Why is he not 20 to 1? I mean, again, you, because they can't put everyone at 20 to 1, you know? There's so many good golfers now. Yeah, but you could put him at 25 to 28. I mean, he's 35. I saw him 35 to 1. That's, I mean, geez, that's the same number that you're looking at at Tommy Fleetwood, who's never won anything on the PGA Tour. Mm, that's what I said last week at Morikawa, and uh, he shit the bed. But, I mean, I get your point. I like him. I don't think it's the best course fit for him with some of the things we've discussed. But um, at that long number, yeah, I mean, if, if you bet Colin Morikawa at that number um, and longevity, you're going to be profitable. So can't hate on it. Yeah, Tommy definitely caught my eye. I, bought him, I bet him last week, but at more at a 50 or 60 range. I'm not betting him in the 30s or even the 40s for that matter. Yeah, you're and, sick you bet that number. I mean, yeah, you're sick. I, I like Hatton as well this week. Like he's a guy that I'll have exposure to all these guys that I like, like Morikawa's, Fleetwoods, and Hattons, but not in the outright market. Not at these numbers. I don't think that you could find value there. Not necessarily. I mean, they win, then you found the value, right? <laughs> That's how golf betting works. Yeah, the main guy I like here that I, I hope to be on my card. I was a little late to the wheel on here, and I'm paying the price right now. I didn't think he was going to get the attention that he's gotten early in the week. And that's Dustin Johnson again. I mean, I was seeing a 40, 45 early in the week. Now best I'm seeing is a 33 on DJ. I think he sets up perfectly for all the things we talked about on this course and what I'm really looking for. Just got to run into a hot putter. And I mean, the guy's just, he's still playing solid. He just can't putt. He's been ball striking very well. Like when we were on him at the open at the U S open, sorry. And uh, 
I just I like DJ. I think I can hold out though and get a forty or more on him. And uh, if I do, I'll be on DJ. I just I just can never not take DJ at the number. I don't know why. I'm I'm just shocked that he's at thirty three to one. I guess people smarter than me uh, saw some love on it and wanted to hit it right away. But um, he's a guy of interest for me in that region. I do have a guy locked in in this region actually. I mean, he's in this region now, but he wasn't when I bet him, so I may as well talk about him. And that's Tony Finau, currently listed at 35 to 1. I sniped a 50 to 1 on Monday morning. And what's not to like about Tony Finau? This guy absolutely dominates the open and dominates league style golf. Had a 15th in 2021, a third place finish in 2019, and a ninth place finish 2018. In five tries, he's never finished worse than 27th at the open. The guy's coming in in phenomenal form. Last tournament he played on the PGA Tour was the Travelers. Gained 5.6 on approach, 80 to green, finished top 15. Misses the cut at the U.S. Open, barely, but, I mean, U.S. Opens are always difficult. But had a runner-up finish, gaining 6.4 strokes putting and 3.3 on approach at the RBC Canadian. And then a top five finish at the Charles Schwab, gaining almost five points on approach and three points, three strokes putting. I mean, the, the, that putting form really excites me. I feel like he tends to putt what, a lot better on slower greens. And what I like about him as well, that's a little bit underrated about his game, is his short game and his, and his around the green play. In my model, ranks eighth in bogey avoidance over the last 50 rounds and 14th in three-putt avoidance and also 17th in scrambling. On top of that, I mean, we know that the mantra is that he's lost strokes on his T game, like he's his driver. That he's sorry, I'm saying he lost strokes. Excuse me, he lost some uh, distance on his driver this year. I don't necessarily hate that this year. I think these drivable fours aren't even going to be that hard to drive. Some guys probably might be hitting three woods into these greens. I know that Tony Fina with the driver can, can hit these greens. And in worst case, if he is a little bit short, I, I trust the approach play. Ranks 15th in the last 50 rounds in the field in approach play. Everything to me stands out about Tony Finau this week. 50 to one seemed like a phenomenal number. And clearly I was right. Cause he's 35 to one in most places that you'll find right now. So I sniped that early. I really like Tony Finau's game this week. He'll probably be one of the most popular plays on DraftKings this week or DFS, whatever you play. And I was certainly looking to get as much, much exposure as I can on him. I'm happy to get him outright. That way I could kind of fade him a little bit in DFS. Cause I think he's going to be really chalky, but I really like Tony Finau this week. And I mean, I'm already, I know you only look at one book, but another book I use regularly still has a 50 on Finau. So um, you can still get that if, if it's out there, but yeah, I mean, can't argue it. Just it's, it's, it's Tony, Tony, the tiger, but um, anything else of interest? I mean, we can't really go through everyone here. I mean, I, I actually, I, I never really like, I, I see a 50 to one on Burns and that kind of peaked my eye. I thought that was pretty big. So, well, that was a good segue because my fourth and final play this week that I've locked in is Sam Burns at 50 to one. There you go. Uh, only has one experience playing at the open in his career and he made the cut. Wasn't a good experience, but that was last year. His first time ever playing probably link style golf. Obviously he's from the States and another guy who's on a good run right now and makes the cut at the Genesis, but had a really poor weekend. But I mean, going back to his last five rounds, he wins the Charles Schwab, gains five strokes putting and almost four on approach, comes top five the week after at the RBC Canadian Open, right in contention, gains nine strokes on his approach and three putting. And I mean, the TD Green game is just phenomenal over that same span. I don't know what I, I would dislike about Burns. The guy, what I love about him especially talking about guys that could drive greens and that are really good on short par fours ranks eighth in the field of my model on par fours from 350 to 400, which there are six of them and great with three putt avoidance, great with approach play His driving distance is top 30. And I also factored in opportunities gain guys that are going to be able to score. And he's in the top echelon is that of that as well. This was another numbers play. I mean, he's not coming in looking, you know, extra phenomenal, but at the same time, I mean, Sam Burns seems like the guy that shows up in these big events and he's been doing it all year. 
I think that I don't see any reason why he won't this week. So give me Sam Burns at 50 to one. I think that was great value. I've already seen him drift in other places. He actually was at, I think I saw 40 to one to start the week. Saw him at 50. He's been lingering around 50, but I, th- I think anything from 45 to 55 is a nice range for Sam Burns. I mean, I would I be surprised if Sam Burns, like if I didn't even bet him, if would I be surprised if Sam Burns won the open this week? No, not at all. Like he's a, he's a top tier player, just like Finau. And I love them both at 50 to one. I think that that usually you get like kind of the mid tier to scrub guys at this level, guys that don't typically win. These guys win on tour. So I really like Sam Burns, but you know, moving past that, then we get into really interesting range. You get to the Matsuyamas, the Hovlands, Kepka, Louie, Neiman, even Tiger, Homa. I think that that's a good range kind of to talk about more than anything. There's really one guy that stood out to me in that entire range. And I'm going to keep beating the drum on this, unfortunately. It's Brooks Kepka at 55 to 1. Wow. And, and I don't think – I didn't take him. I'm just saying he stood out to me. I just – I think that he's a beast. The guy has dominated at the Open over his career. I, I, I read a really interesting stat. Since 2015 – among all link style courses played worldwide, here's the top five list of strokes gained average per round. Number one, Brooks Kepka, Xander, Spieth, Finau, Rom. I mean, that sounds like a pretty accurate statistic if you like, think about those names. And I, I mean, he had a top 10 here last year. He's had multiple top 10s at the Open. He's contended a few times. He's always there. He's always lingering. And I think that nobody's talking about him. And I think he might like that in a sense. I don't know. I think he caught my eye. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I, I, I want exposure to him. And, and any way I can, I just am, I haven't pulled the trigger on getting him outright. But I, I he caught my eye. But, I mean, I guess I could also say Tiger Woods caught my eye at 60 to 1. But I much prefer him as a top 20 bet, top 10 bet. Uh, I'm not seeing value on an outright here. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I think I capitulated on the Brooks bandwagon personally, but uh, that's probably a good omen for liking him then because I tend to get off the guys at the worst times possible, a la Matt Fitzpatrick. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I like Max Homa. Missed the number on him. He's 60-1. to one. I can't take that. Plus, he's playing with Tiger. Maybe a little shook. I don't like that. But other than that. thought the same thing. I was like, I kind of want to fade Max Homa the first two rounds. He's going to be rattled. Other than that, I've, I personally touched on the guys I like up to 100 that I'm thinking about, as always. You know how I do. Uh, you know where to find me for my final picks. But I have locked in JT. I have locked in Camp Smith. And I got to decide if I want to go one more at the top and pretty much call it a card uh, or just take maybe – uh, two guys in the 50 range and a couple long shots. So TBD for me. Yeah. I don't really like anything up to hundred either. I think Patrick Reed at hundred is a little bit interesting as well as Bryson DeChambeau at hundred to 10 to one, as we get to the hundred and on range Woodland at 125. these guys all intrigue me as well as Thomas Peters at 125. I just, I mean, looking at the history at the open long shots don't typically hit here. What I love about Bryson is these four to six potential drivable fours. I mean, man, if he could just dominate those, like he said that he was going to turn the Masters into, or Augusta into a par 68, if he can actually dominate these drivable holes, and man, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, can't blame you. I mean, you're taking outright. You're betting on upside, so can't really fall. Uh, no, but I'm, I'm just talking about, like, what I like in guys. I mean, I haven't pulled the trigger on no, anybody no, no. here. I just – I think that Bryson, there's a lot to like there. That's that's really all. Someone I like who may be on my short list on long shots says now we're in the triple-digit range is 110 to 1. I got my eye on Mark Leishman. I haven't been on Leishman in a while. Guy's been in awful form this year. But I do recall in 2015 him losing in a playoff here at St. Andrews. And I do recall him actually having a solid tournament his last time out. And we're the only places I like Mark Leishman. Again, I always remember because I like Kapalua places that have huge fairways because he sucks with his driver but he does have the distance he's good at these tight lies i'm gonna love like these aussies this week it's, i feel like that's why i keep kind of touching on all these guys like a cam smith him maybe a sexiest man on tour adam scott uh 
And I mean, Leishman always, he get, he carries himself with his putters. So, and he obviously liked these greens here in 2015. Someone I'm just looking at, at, at a long shot potentially. And again, I'm seeing a 150 to one that I may just auto pull the trigger on. Cause when we just talk about value and overreactions on cam young, seeing cam young, 150 to one off just two bad tournaments in a row. And look, man, this kid has been electric. Do I think he's going to come out <laughs> and uh, pull a Colin Morikawa and win the open? No. So I don't know if I'll be on it, but just off a number standpoint at the last major, this guy was going off at 35 to one at the U S damn open. I mean, yeah. Nice. What's changed. This guy who had, has not kid who's not had a win 35 to one at the U S open. And now a few, three weeks later, four weeks later, he's 150 to one. Uh, I think this number is a lot more indicative uh, of what he should be, but I think it's a huge overreaction to his talent for a guy who hasn't played in a few weeks. Um, I still think he'll be solid. And, and that number, I would be on that number probably for sure. If we had each way potentials, right. But maybe a top 20 play, something like that. But uh, I just thought that number was interesting in an overreaction. Yeah, I think you could say the same thing about a guy like Keegan Bradley, who at the Open, or sorry, the U.S. Open was in that 50 to 1 range. And now I'm seeing him 135 to 150 to 1, depending where you look. I think that he's interesting. He definitely concerns me with the, his long greens and having a lag putt all day. And Webb Simpson at 150, I liked him at these previous tournaments coming up. That's an intriguing number. Well, I, see, I like that. Yeah, you'll see guys like Keith Mitchell's getting a lot of steam right now. There's the there's the the he has he's hashtag narrative week this week. Keith Mitchell, where his dad is a member of the RNA and his sister went to school at St Andrews University, so he's very familiar with the area. His whole family is there this week. He's 150 to one. I think that he's a solid top 20 play potentially. Taylor Gooch is getting steams specifically on DraftKings just because he's really cheap this week. And I think he's going to be a little bit too chalky to kind of take, but who knows? I'll have to monitor that throughout the week. And if he's healthy, I mean, Paul Casey at 175 to one as a top 20 play top 10 play. I just, I mean, he hasn't played a full tournament in six months, so he's definitely a little bit scary, but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you could say on a shorter, what you would call a shorter course with wider fairways with the run out, Abraham answer at 200 to one definitely looks exciting. Mito Pereira, your boy, you're not going to pull the trigger at 200 to one. I mean, we didn't get to that point yet. I mean, it's an autoplay for Mito every single week. We saw, oh, oh, he could contend. Well, you saw what he did at the PGA at, at a similar number. So I think, uh, of course, a lot worse bets than that. I actually like how Tong Lee too. I know weird, but 135 to one guys coming off a win in good form. He played great here. In, in 2015, um, Thomas Peters has been in great form as well. He lost in that playoff to Hao Tong Lee. Uh, I mean, a lot of interesting long shots. I'm just throwing them out there. I don't yeah. know other than Mito, any of them that I'm pulling the trigger on, though. Yeah, Sebastian Munoz at 250 to one also looks exciting to me. And I like Fratelli at 275 to one. I don't know. These are just guys with interesting numbers. Honestly, you know, at the end of the day, Everyone's got their own bankroll. I could throw a little $5 when, you know, four figures and some of these guys, $10 when some good money, who knows, but yeah. And anybody else out there before we move on? No, I think it's going to be just a, probably a short card for me. And uh, um, yeah, I think a top guy is going to just end up in, in reality, getting it done. So I, 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 I tend to agree. That's why I kept it at four guys. And my plan is to catch a Rory or Spieth live and let those five ponies run. Just run. Run, so, horsey, run. All right. Well, speaking of horses that are on land, let's move into the water where you'll find a Barracuda, the Barracuda Championship or the Open. I don't even know what they call it. The Barracuda this week, this is an alternate event. It typically plays in the spring season, like earlier in the year during a WGC, but with the, the fact that the PGA Tour has basically depleted almost all the WGCs, they're playing this week at the old Greenwood course at Tahoe Mountain Club. If you'll recall, this is the one tournament of the year that they do stable forward scoring, which basically for anybody out there is not familiar with the stable forward scoring. It's not playing by strokes. What they do is they accrue points based off of their scores on each hole. So you get rewarded for shooting lower scores on certain holes. So you get a double Eagle. It's like 
eight points. You get an eagle, five points, a birdie, three, par is zero points, bogey minus one, double minus three. And then you just add up points throughout the weekend. And it's pretty, it's a pretty fun or it's a pretty interesting event. I wouldn't call it fun, but your previous winners here, Evan Van Royen. I just called him Evan Van Royen just because it's EVR. Eric Van Royen, uh, Richie Wierenski, Colin Morikawa won this a few years ago, Andrew Putnam, Chris Stroud. I'm just going to go quickly and rattle off. I, I pulled the trigger on two bets just like I did last week. And I did have a pony with Tyler Duncan going into the weekend, but give me Mark Hubbard at 25 to 1. He finished top five last week in the alternate event. I think he's the best pro- approach player in the field. I want to ride the hot hands. Give me Mark Hubbard. And hey, FOMO bet. Give me Anthony Smotherman at 60 to 1. It's an automatic FOMO bet. 60 to 1, much better number than I got last week in a very similar field. If anything, this field might be slightly worse, you could argue, but he's a, an elite ball striker. I like my odds there. So yeah, just pulling the trigger on those two. I'm going to go ahead and just make an assumption that you don't have anything. Well, first off, don't assume because it makes an ass out of you. All right. That's how you spell and, assume. And you. And um, I think that before I, I comment on that, I think we can just say that your Austin Smotherman is my Mito Pereira now. It's official. You bet him now, probably in the last seven tournaments he's played. You are in love with Austin Smotherman. So congratulations on falling in love, kid. I'm proud you know, of you. It's the first time in a long time. I'm the first time in a long time. So, yeah, you know, it feels good to be in love. You know the problem with being in love? Sometimes it's not reciprocated. Oh, yeah, I, I sure as hell know that. So, and I'm not only talking about the golf course, but um, <laughs> moving on, just like last week, I'll take one long shot here. I'm really focused on the open, and this is like the one tournament. I mean, normally I know most of the players. This is the one I've seen. I see 30 names I've never even heard of in my life. So, um, I'm just going to go though at 80 to one off last week being in the final group at the Scottish Open. We're going back to Rafa, Sexy, Bayo. Just had an atrocious final round, but now he's in a man, lot. He's in the lot, final group, man. A lot. He shot a lot, like lot, 10 over. Weaker field, and he played great the first three days there. I'll take a shot at 80 to one in this field with Rafa, Sexy, Bayo. Rafa, Sexy, Bayo. Shaka, bro. Love that guy. Um, yeah, I can dig it. He just he shot like 10 over on Sunday. <laughs> he went and if he did do that, he would have been 30 to one this week. So I'll take it. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Um, okay. Well, we'll get into matchups. But before we do, I have no first round leaders. Did you end up pulling the trigger on anything? Or are you waiting for the weather like I am? No, I mean, I, same thing as you. This is the rare week where in Scotland, look, my first round leader thought process is only um, applicable in the United States of America. Okay. Weather a lot different over in Scotland. So, you know, normally I only go morning wave. But if it uh, comes out, like you said, that Thursday morning, that it's going to be a lot windier and then it's going to die down, I'm going to audible. So I have nothing there yet. Okay. Well, in that case, let's get into our full tournament matchups. Let's get the Farmer 5-pack while I go take a piss. I actually have a fat pack, so especially with how much you pee and how quickly you do it, you probably will get bad, and I will still be rattling them off. So I believe I have an 11-pack. This week, I know, crazy. But for the Open, the majors, they offer more. And honestly, a lot of the there's been there's a few couple a uh, couple guys that I had my eye on to fade, and they were matched up with guys that I really like this week. So uh, I just wrote them, you know. So um, we are going to start it off with. Look, this is where I kind of mentioned you, Brandon. Where I'm mini taking to the farm. I got a double fade on John Rom here. I'm going Rory McIlroy minus one thirty over Rom. And look, it's not really a big fade of Rom, but like. It's two guys at the top that I love going against a guy that is showing a little bit of weakness. So I'm going Rory minus 130 over Rom, and I'm going Jordan Spieth plus 120 over John Rom. I almost doubled down on that one. I love that one. Him plus money there. Spieth's record at the Open that you touched on. Really love Jordan Spieth this week. Next, I'm going Justin Thomas over Scotty Scheffler. Um, kind of nerve-wracking, but I really love JT this week. So I'm going there. Now I'm going for I haven't done one of these in a while, Brandon. This is a 2X matchup play. 2X matchup play. I had to just break it down twice for you because it's a 2Xer. We're going the lesbian Cam Smith, minus 105 over Willie Z. We didn't really touch on Willie Z, but I alluded on me wanting to fade him this week. Why? His strengths, long iron play. What's this week going to be? Long iron play. No, 
I got him. <laughs> come in after just pissing on your hands and think you know what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm talking. On, I'm gonna piss on this farmer five pack. Yeah, well, if you listened, it's not a five pack. It's more than that. So two X play Cam Smith minus one hundred five over Willie Z. Other thing on Willie Z that I want to fade. This guy can't keep up this rate of being an unbelievable putter in majors, but then sucking putting everywhere else. Uh, these slow greens are different than the other major courses, different venues that he's been putting at. I think Willie Z is actually a good bet to uh, take at plus what three hundred plus three fifty to miss the cut this week. I think Willie Z is going to be um, pretty bad this week. Next. We're going Dustin Johnson over Tommy Fleetwood. Right after that, we're going to live on live crime. Louis Usteisen, minus 130 over Brooks Kepka. Sorry, Brooksy. It's, he, he'll either kill me being in the top five or he'll probably miss the cut. Oh, then, I will interject and say that go and live on live crime. You may have just done it consecutively because I guarantee you after this year when the FedEx Cup is over, Tommy Fleetwood's going to live. Well, then I haven't done it consecutively because we're talking in the now, Brandon. As of now, he's not on the live. You could say that for every matchup, couldn't you? Hmm? He's not. He's not in the live, or he's not in love because I would know that feeling all too well. Yeah, well, you're in live with Tommy Fleetwood because you keep wasting money on him on outright picks on the PGA Tour for some reason. I don't know when you'll learn, but I digress. Next, Sam Burns plus one hundred five over. Victor Hovland, Victor Hovland. That hey, kind of, Victor, can I get I a cocktail? Of, I'm kind of nervous with that line. Some sharps are pounding Victor Hovland for some reason, which I don't like, but whatever. I'll take it. Max Homa plus 125 over Tony Finau, where he be now. Um, my favorite one, maybe, on the whole slate. Tiger Woods plus 150 over Bryson DeChambeau. Don't think this course really lines up with all Bryson's strengths outside driving the green, but guess what? Most people are going to be able to do the same thing as him. Uh, he's been wayward. I think he may struggle, and I love Tiger at the old course. How Tong Lee plus 120 over Kurt Kitayama. Kurt Kitayama chokes last week. He shook as a leaf. He folds like a chair. <laughs> last but not least, we're going to fade the little um, whatever you wanted to call it on Keith Mitchell, whatever we're going to say, oh, he has family ties here. Or guess what? He's going to get tied up, and someone actually may like it 250 to 1 if you want to sprinkle on. At plus 135, Kevin Kisner over Keith Mitchell. This seems like the exact kind of track that uh, Kevin Kisner plods his way around, makes a million 20-foot putts on, and uh, shoots low scores. Honestly, of the four majors, this has got to be the one that he's got to feel the most comfortable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and he's been playing solid recently, so – um, I like that. A, a lot of big plus money dogs there that I think are coin flip matchups. So I'll gladly take them, Brandon. And that's my 11 pack. How about that? Oh my God. 11 matchups. That's going to be fun to, to monitor throughout the week. All right. Let's jump into my piggy five pack. I guess I could call it whatever I want to, cause I'm the fucking best. All right. Let's start it off with Scotty Scheffler, your number one player in the entire world over Matthew Fitzpatrick. Look, I faded Fitzpatrick last week, and he had a top 10 finish. But guess what? I faded him versus Xander Shoffley. If you take the guy that's going to finish either first or top two or top three, then you're going to win the matchup most likely. And I'm thinking that at minus 110 at a pick him, Scotty Scheffler is going to be at the top of the board. I really liked him this week. I liked his number. Just couldn't pull trigger versus Rom. I think Rom. A little bit more win. It's crazy to say a little bit more win equity in an event like this, based off of his experience on Link Style Golfs and at the Open. So give me Scotty Scheffler over Fitzpatrick. Fade him again on that U.S. Open hangover. Second, give me Brooksy. I didn't take him out right, but I want exposure. He's an underdog in a matchup versus Hideki Matsuyama. Would I be surprised if Hideki Matsuyama misses the cut? No, the guy is Whoa. not coming. Guy is not coming in in good form. Not at all. He's never been good in Europe. I think Brooks, Don, I've already talked to you guys about how good he is on Lynx Golf and how good he is at the Open. So as an underdog, that's an auto bet for me. Give me Joaquin Neiman over Victor Hovland, plus 100. He's an underdog here. I think that this is going to end up turning into a bit of a scoring fest, but at the same time, as much as it could turn into a scoring fest, there's a lot of trouble out there, specifically if you miss screens. And short game is always going to be a factor when it comes to Lynx golf. And for all of those reasons, I'm always going to keep fading Victor Hovland. So give me Joaquin Neiman as an underdog here. Now I'm going to get into, because I took a few underdogs, now let me get into my absolute favorites 
pun intended. Give me Adri Arnas. He's a Spaniard. Guy's been really good on the European tour all year. And I'm going to take him minus 144 over Ian Poulter. This guy's absolute dog shit. Oh, my God. He's so bad. I mean, just go look at his last 20 events and try to tell me a single good thing that he's done over that span. He's been absolutely atrocious. I think Adri Arnas makes the cut. Ian Poulter misses the cut. Easy win. And then my last one, I had never laid juice like this in a matchup. But give me Zach Johnson, a former Open champion, over Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson decides that because Greg Norman wasn't invited to the champion's dinner, he's also going to decline as an Open champion. He also declines to play in the champion's you know, events, whatever they had on Monday. There's like a champion's event that they all play four holes. He declines that as well. The guy is absolutely fucking rattled. He's been dog shit on the live tour. He's been dog shit on the PGA tour. Ever since he won the PGA, the guy has just been hashtag dog shit. Give me Zach Johnson to beat Phil Mickelson. Even if Zach Johnson doesn't make the cut, which actually he's been looking pretty good on the PGA tour, but if he doesn't make the cut, he's certainly going to have a better number than Phil Mickelson. And that is your piggy. Five pack. Love to uh-huh. see it. That's why you um, five pack because you had one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's move on to the final portion of the episode. And we'll go with our major props. I've been loving doing these. They're fun. And I've got some fun ones that I really like this week. The first one I'm going to start with Bryson DeChambeau to make the cut at minus 140. I know that you're taking Tiger over him. And, hey, look, I think that I said to you I like Tiger as a top 20 bet and I like Bryson as a top 20 bet. So, I mean, there's nothing necessarily you can hate on in that fact. I'm not necessarily telling you that I hate Tiger or not. I'm just saying I think that Bryson, with this course set up, one of the best putters in the world, is going to fare really well considering the fact that this course is so short and he can overpower it. I really like Bryson just to make the cut at minus 140. Really not eating much juice compared to some of the top players out there. Really love that. And I also, on top of it, I'm going to double down and take Bryson to finish top 20. And I'm going to get four four and a half to one odds on that, plus 450, just to finish top 20 in this event. Makes the cut, has a big weekend. You never know. And I think that you're getting really good odds. I mean, look, that's half the odds that it is to take Rory McIlroy to win the entire tournament. And I just need him to finish top 20 as a major champion and one of the best players in the world. So really like that. On top of it, guess what? I'm almost doubling down in a sense based off of your <laughs> based off of your matchup. But I'm also taking Tiger to make the cut at minus 140. The guy, nobody knows. Thank you. Nobody knows St. Andrews Old Course like Tiger knows St. Andrews Old Course. I mean, it's it's going to be unreal. I think it's – look, there's one thing to think about in this factor. He's played in two majors this year coming off of reconstruction, reconstructive knee surgery. He's got a rod in his leg. And he made both the cuts. Granted, he sucked ass on the weekends. Maybe he does not have the endurance. Maybe he doesn't have the longevity to be able to finish out a tournament. I don't need that. I just need two days out of him. Give me Tiger to make the cut. Minus 140. Love that number. And then I've got one lean here. I think I'm going to take it anyways, just because I'm calling it a lean and I'm bringing it up on this podcast. But no hole-in-one at minus 200. Cash it. There's not going to be a hole-in-one this week. There's only two par threes on the entire course. They both play over 175 yards. You got wind in the face on one of them each singular day, which is going to make it even more difficult. I don't necessarily see how a whole one is going to happen here. I think that it, I mean, obviously it's all luck to be good to begin with. I would know because I've never had one and I'm one of the best golfers in the world, but you know, unfortunately live hasn't offered me a contract, but I'm still, my phone's always open. Greg Norman hit me up the shark. Hey, you're a shark. I'm a pig. Let's get together and, you know, do our thing as, as farm animals because I know that there's a lot of sharks on farm animals. I, I've raised a few myself, but I, I really love no hole-in-one at minus 200. I don't think there's going to be a hole-in-one this week. Yeah, and by the way, you're going to be more wrong. Uh, hole-in-one is all skill coming from someone that has one. I am not biased in that analysis. No, the skill you had in that day was magic beans 
in playing with me in your pairing, and it was my birthday. So there was luck to be had there. You puked 10 times that day, so you had nothing to do with it. It's not like you had my spirits all high or anything. Yeah, I was getting it all out so that you could get it in. Yeah, all right. All you, buddy. I appreciate it. But, yeah, I don't know. I, only prop I would have, best number on, I'd take Willie Z to miss the cut, probably a juicy plus 275-ish, I would guess, around there. Love that Tiger bet. Um, and, yeah, that's – I mean, you know me. I don't really – I don't dabble in this prop segment. I did some of the guys that I mentioned before in the outrights that I would I would like, like, a top 20, like a Cam Young or something because the number is so big. But that's about it for me. All right. Well, everybody. The final major, ending it at the old course. That's going to do it for this edition of Golf Picks with the Plotniks. Presented by Bet the Farm Podcast. Good luck, everybody. See ya!